You're listening to The Kylo Show, the podcast where we talk about how to keep your love on no matter what and why whole healthy families are going to save the world. And it starts right now. Welcome, everyone, to the Kylo Show podcast. This is a strange experience having (laughs) me be the one to introduce the show, but I have a special guest today, Mm. a lady that uh, I just met the other day. Mm -hmm. and um, You're still recovering. I'm still recovering, but Sherry Silk is with us today. It's good to be here. Our Sherry Silk is what makes us us today, I should say, mm-hmm. because it's just us two. Mm-hmm. And we have the <laughs> we have the privilege or the the responsibility to talk about um, mature marriage, <laughs> not being old, but mature marriage. I was wondering what you were going to say there. Yeah. So um, we kind of took those uh, until death do us part vows pretty serious. Yes. It's been a while. 39 mm-hmm. years. We, 39. Just, we just hit 39. Mm-hmm. 39 years. Mm-hmm. We can say decades of marriage. Yeah. Yeah. No matter how old you get, you're not quite sure you're mature yet it feels like i know there's still you're always growing and changing bits and pieces of immaturity spark up yes. still <laughs> to this day yep there are times they're just trying to figure out <laughs> why did i just do that why did i just yes. say that why did i just act like that yeah yeah for sure um what do you think is the key to mature marriage a big question to last in this long i think we just said it in a way just constantly growing mm-hmm. and addressing our for me my own stuff and gently <laughs> addressing yours you know um yeah i mean we we had cried quite a beginning rough rough time and i think we just I don't know that that's common, but I think it's probably pretty common that people struggle in the beginning. We had a particularly hard time. But just deciding, looking in the mirror and going, well, like half the problem here is me for sure. And what am I going to do about my half of us, no matter what you do? Mm -hmm. And moving toward each other in conflict. Uh, You know, being deemed out of the gate as clinically incompatible, <laughs> which we didn't know for 12 years that that was <laughs> our diagnosis. But uh, yeah, it's really forced us to be in that, that, you know, that conversation where every couple is married three or four or five times, but often to the same person. Yeah. That feels like a great descriptor of our life and relationship because mm-hmm. we've really moved through some segments of life that yeah. um, glad we went through it, wouldn't want to go back. <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I'm clinically incompatible. I'm, I'm glad uh, when we got, got that news after 12 years that I'm glad I didn't know. We didn't need one more reason to right. be pulling us apart and we never did 
scream, let's just get a divorce. We never did that. But we thought, I'm sure we thought, okay, this this, is it. if this happened, what are we going to do or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, but just, yeah, I don't think we needed one more obstacle. There's so many. There's even more today that people have. And there's, you know, multiple, you know, a lot of people have been married multiple times to, diff- to different people. And they've got those oh, their own set of issues. But the same thing is true that you've got to work on you. And uh, you can only work on yourself mm-hmm. to get through it. I, I mean, it's so long ago for us, you know, those years, but they're rough. And then you throw in hard jobs. We had really hard jobs. We chose it. And we had little children, little babies, you know, one after the other. And you were going to school full time, uh, university. So, I mean, we had, we added some stressors. But but those aren't uncommon stressors. People going to college, having those up and coming jobs where you're trying to establish your careers and babies, those are all normal things. But mm-hmm. becoming together and and facing the problems side by side is way better than facing them while you're poking at each other. Which is hard to do because when you are at your wits end, you've <laughs> reach the end of your capacity mm-hmm. your your coping skills have uh, been maxed out everything's just you know you're just on the brink of relational bankruptcy and one more thing happens and yeah. you just think somebody's responsible for all this pressure somebody's responsible for all this pain i think i'm gonna blame it on you and (laughs) it's you and that i think is where we you know that's the mistake the mistake is that pain is is coming from a person instead of pain is the experience of struggle and you know it'd be like being at the gym and <laughs> you know we i remember we used to we used to tease ed for you know being a nazi or whatever we'd say you know like he had no no compassion because he was our trainer yeah. and all this pain that we're experiencing was coming from him like well actually no all the pain we were experiencing was coming from the weights and from the exercises that we were participating in, yep. you know, and like, hmm, and we kept coming back, but we kept teasing him. We kept blaming him for yeah. hurting us. I remember driving to the gym and it would, I would be talking to myself like, I'm so tired. Last, I didn't sleep last night. Uh-huh. The kids were stressing me out. I have a hundred excuses. I have. I have to do all these things today. There's a hundred reasons. And I'm still driving toward the gym. Mm-hmm. And I knew I had to within, you know, at some point in the drive, which was really short, like <laughs> 15 minutes, I had to change to none of that is going to help you in here. Not one bit because the trainer I have doesn't care about any of that stuff. I've, I've brought him in to not care. I've, I, I've paid him to I've push paid me him through. to ki- hurt me. And so it, 
all those things, with all those excuses in life we have when we're trying to really work hard and change something, they are not going to help us in there. They're not going to help us actually make our goal of yeah. of change. We have to change our mind on the way in and decide, okay, this is my choice, my decisions. Um, I was thinking about this thing uh, as we got ready for this. I remember we were married probably 10, maybe 11 years or something. We lived in Mount Shasta, and we had some friends up there that we were getting to know. And and I remember one of them said to me, well, you know, you're, Danny's written books, and he he's a counselor, and he works with people. So anybody could have a good marriage if they were married to Danny Silk. I don't see what's <laughs> wrong with this statement. I just remember thinking, are you kidding me? You know, I, I she was in a rough a rough marriage, but at the same time, I'm like, it's two people. And, um, you know, we our personalities are so different. I'm louder about my issues and my problems or when I'm processing. I definitely have more words than you. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The idea that just one the person th- can make it all great. Yeah, the the thing about that statement is that it, it totally discounts every contribution you've made to our successful yes. relationship. <laughs> like, hmm. Thank you, friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, as we go through all these different phases or marriages within our marriage, you know, I think that we've 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 hit the edge of what we were ready for. You know, whether it was just our honeymoon. Our honeymoon was like, get, get me off this houseboat. Yeah. Why, why, we're trapped out in the middle of this water <laughs> alone. We got to get around some people. Yeah. Um, to having kids, to uh, going to school and working so hard, to having teenagers, to having adult children, mm-hmm. uh, you know, find it, you throw some financial things in there, shake real hard, and you find new edges of what you've grown to. And then recently, you know, we, we, we got a diagnosis of, uh, breast cancer and mm-hmm. here we go. Shake real hard. Yeah. Another level. A whole nother thing that you, <laughs> nobody wants to ever go through these mm-hmm. things, but it, uh, it's shocking. Yeah. A little over a year ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's so much fear involved, and you know, even we, even through that season, we struggled. We did really good for most most of it, but we struggled with how do we process a problem differently. Like I was really private about it; I didn't want to talk about it to people. And you were telling people because you needed to, a connection out there, and I just wasn't ready. So we would get in arguments about that, which is silly. But I. Yeah, even even going through a health crisis like that, we you have to find each other in it, and um, you know some other things seem to shrink pretty hard. <laughs> you know some other issues or problems when you have health issues, you stop stop talking about the little things, yeah, and focus on the one. But there was, you know, there was hard, beautiful moments in in there as well, you know, I wasn't planning on crying, but Mm. I do have a tissue. Mm. Um, Yeah, just I remember being in pain and just like, oh, there's nothing you could do to help me. Mm -hmm. 
and um, moments of just in the dark of the night, you know, that two in the morning. Uh, and you would just sit next to me and cry. And we would just both cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, yeah, I think th- maybe the classification of all these phases or, or the, the end of one and the entrance of the next one mm-hmm. is what are you going to do with how powerless you felt? Like I remember when I felt like our teenagers were just out of control, mm-hmm. you know, for our, our life, you know, and they're <laughs> like just doing this thing. And I just felt so powerless. Yeah. Like, what am I going to do with this? And it wasn't until I started answering that question that I grew into a new, a new space of, of life and, and, yeah. and relationship. And I think this, this really did it most recently, you know, what's fresh on my mind right now. I'm not sure what's coming next, <laughs> but I'm hoping nothing. Um, it, it was so powerless. I just felt so incredibly powerless mm-hmm. for so long. It yeah. just felt excruciating to keep, stay in that spot where I cannot change this. I cannot help you I mm-hmm. cannot stop this and and uh, and then in all of that mm-hmm. finding I'm gonna be a different guy in here than I was for 38 years I'm gonna be a different guy in year 39 mm-hmm. because of a new answer to what am I going to do in this powerlessness? And what I'm going to do is I'm going to die more. <laughs> I'm going to serve more. I'm going to connect better. I'm going to do what I can to protect what's really most important right here. Yeah. I think um, even, in, even through that season, using humor was helpful to, you know, you're joking about things that shouldn't be funny, but they're funny right now. <laughs> you know, there's, even with old age, you know, your bodies change and your physical relationship changes. Um, but this was like another level of body change, you know, just all, yeah. kind of, all of that had to be addressed. And I, I think because uh, we had the years of experience, um, talking through things or whatever than when we had to talk through this really hard thing that we, you know, were gentle and kind about whatever instead of mm-hmm. an opinion we had that was more important than what we were going through, you know. I, I remember a um, couple, couple things early on, you know, just feeling, A, I felt really selfish Mm. early on, like thinking, oh my gosh, this is going to dramatically impact our life. This is what is coming our, you know, down the pipe here. Yeah. This is, this feels like, you know, my whole life is going to be changed with what's happening. And I, I could feel myself getting anxious and like, uh, like I'm at another limit. Like I don't know how to do 
this much, this different, this long. Like, I don't know how to do that. And I remember just feeling the Lord say, it's her birthday. And this was February. It was like (laughs) six months from your birthday. And I was trying to figure out, it's your birthday. And I realized, oh, my gosh, you know, like every year on her birthday, we just do whatever she wants. We just do whatever she wants. It's her birthday. Okay. It's her birthday. All right. Well, she did that thing that really drives you crazy. It's her birthday. I'm not going <laughs> to deal with it today. We're not dealing with it today. It's not going to nothing. You know, there's no no trouble on her birthday. Yeah. And I that adjustment helped me day one, which was, okay, it's her birthday. And that's just how we're going through this is... It's her birthday. And then, you know, when you, after your, your last surgery and you were getting stronger and, and, uh, it was before we went to hope for cancer, but it was, um, somewhere in there, I remember kind of letting off on the pedal a little bit, like, you know, it's the day after her birthday now. Okay. <laughs> you know, this is coming up. And I, I thought, nope, you know what? It's her birthday. Every day is her birthday. Yeah. I mean, not every marriage has to go through a big, crazy health crisis, but every marriage faces problems and how you're going to handle them and immature, in the mature love mode, you know? Mm-hmm. So important. That's why it's so important to keep growing and changing with your marriage. Um, I mean, I don't recognize us. You know, I think I posted something on Facebook and one of our old high school friends says, I don't even recognize you two as who you were in high school. I mean, of course not. But I just mean we have changed. <laughs> we are so 60 much. something now. Yeah. High school 61. seems like a long, long way away. Yes. But still, it's just there's a lot of, um, you know, we, a lot of obstacles we could have jumped ship, you know. Yeah. We do have uh, the unique scenario of living with our daughter and son-in-law and grandchildren, and mm-hmm. and now we get to watch our children's children become <laughs> young adults. Like yeah. Delaney's turning eighteen in a little while, yeah. and she's going to go. Days. Yeah, she's, <laughs> she's going to go out and see the world and. Hard to believe that Brittany was getting married about this age. Yeah, yeah, which is shocking. Britain Ben, I'll bet it should. Yeah, it shocks just about everybody. She was telling Brittany and I were talking this morning. I'm just laughing. Like, yeah, we we were right there. I mean, Delaney's not getting married yet. Yeah, but just the fact that she's going to be an adult. (laughs) I know. So we're we've been through all that and. Um, it's, it's, I think it's just the same thing over and over and over. We just find new ways to be humble, to, um, be honest, to prioritize the connection and rinse and repeat. (laughs) 
Yeah. Feels like it. I get the opportunity to watch a bunch of our new Kylo University students do yeah. this, you know, where we've delved into uh, a community of folks that are coming to us with life uh, challenges and mm-hmm. hitting that powerless wall. Like, yeah. what do I do now? And and so many of them are are coming at us with different scenarios and different uh, different conditions on the other side of that wall. Like yeah. some of them did a great job and some of them wish they would have done a great job. Mm-hmm. But um, we're having such a great time building this environment where people get to learn about how to love well, how to be loved well by the by our Father. Yeah. How to then become a, a, a an environment of nutritious responses to then you know serve others really well. Yeah. And, uh, so that's that's coming up at the end of the summer, Kylo University. Yeah. Um, uh, Kylo university.com you can go check it out if you're listening if you've, if you're just hearing this for the first time go there yeah. but it's been uh, we did a, a round earlier this year and the testimonies are just I love wonderful that. just wonderful yeah and uh, you know when you grow yourself it affects every other area of your life so yeah, totally if you if you're really working on yourself personally and your relationship with the Lord, and with others, but the Kylo University really pulls all of that together. Is I'm working on me, but I'm learning so much that it's spilling over into all the other areas and all the other relationships in my life. It's a pretty small investment for a big, huge jump in growth. Yeah, it's the uh, you know the water that raises in the harbor raises all the boats. You know, yeah. so everybody around you gets nourished by the success of things that you're bringing home. Yeah, absolutely. So. So good. All right. Well, we're going to head to some questions next. Okay. All right. All right, we're back. And uh, let's go to our first question asker. Okay. Her name is Jackie, and we'll see what she has for us. Okay. Hi, Danny and Brittany. Thank you so much for what you're doing. My question is regards to how to apply the Kylo principle to my role as a wife. Um, I find that my husband is in a place in life where he's just having a hard time responding respectfully to me. And um, I'm having to do a lot of ending the conversations um, because um, I need to keep control of myself and I don't want any more hurtful words thrown at me. Um, But that puts us in a kind of awkward position Um, in terms of a lot of these conversations are important decision-making conversations for parents of young children. And I feel like um, I need to have these conversations so that we can, we can move forward. Otherwise I'm kind of put on hold. Um, If my husband and I are in disagreement and I can't have these conversations with him, what do I then do with submission? And does it just mean that we always do what he wants or, he gets his way, um, which may be okay, but sometimes I really am convicted that his way is not the right way. So do I just go with his way because we can't have the conversation? Um, what, what do I do uh, to keep our, our family moving forward and, and try to be a protector of my children spiritually as well? 
Can you help? Thank you. Sounds classic in lots of ways, in lots of situations. What do you think? It's a rough one. Um, there is that submission thing in there that it's like whoever has the strongest opi strongest opinion or they're the loudest about it that is the winner in those situations. So it sounds like she's setting boundaries with him. Um, how does she get him to come back to the table and talk about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it, it hopefully there's some way of... Uh, having a connection outside of these hard conversations so mm -hmm. that there's good times. Cause one of the things that happens is we blow up our relationship with an argument. Then we never get our connection back and we just live in the disconnect. And then we try to have the conversation again. Talk again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's just horrible. And then it begins to be the culture of our relationship, which is we are enduring each other until we have to have another argument mm -hmm. and you know that is that's the mistake the mistake is we live in the disconnect we changed our goal to distance and i'm protecting myself from you so jackie i would just be sure that we are working to get our connection back and make that a a, a place that both you and he want to live so that it becomes something that we protect. And then we have this conversation and we say, uh, maybe we should stop talking right now and figure out how to have this conversation without hurting our relationship, hurting or without disconnecting. And, you know, if he's, sabotaging the conversation let's i'll just say i would just say he's sabotaging this so that he doesn't have to uh listen he doesn't have to adjust he doesn't have to creatively problem solve then those are just all things of immaturity in relationships like yeah i need to grow and learn to listen i need to grow and learn to participate in creating a solution that isn't all mine. I have to learn to participate and adjust in this conversation. Those those are signs of maturity and those are things that, you know, you you you're right in working towards, but maybe you got access and or you've done more work on yourself than he has and he's still trying to handle it like he did back when he was a kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I mean, and there's also sometimes when we come to the other person with a problem, our delivery is pretty poor, and they they just retreat or defend, defend themselves or whatever. So, mm -hmm. at the asking of you know to enjoy to join the conversation has to be thought through. You know, when I would be frustrated with you when the kids were little and you were. A, a foster care social worker, so you ran all over the place, you know, visiting all these foster homes and families, and then you would come home, and I would, you know, if I had a bad day, sometimes I would be like, you know, I need you here, not there. I need you home. I need you involved. You know, you're missing this or that or whatever. My delivery would be so poor. And if you – I would finally learn, like, we miss you. <laughs> I really – need you right now mm -hmm. and you respond 
much different to I need you than mm -hmm. me accusing you of not helping or participating mm -hmm. when that's not true. I'm experiencing loneliness in my parenting or something, but it's not because you're not engaged. But my delivery, if it's off, I'm going to get a different response from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jackie, I, I think when he starts pulling away or he starts shutting down or he starts getting aggressive, you might say, what are you so afraid of? What are you afraid of? What Are you hurt? Are you scared? Or do you feel powerless? And I need you. I and, want you to participate. And, and I, I need you to stay engaged, but I don't, I don't want to be hurt by you. Mm -hmm. But what do you need? And, and, and rather than see him as being just disrespectful and aggressive, find out what's driving that. And it's either that he feels hurt, he feels scared, or he feels powerless about something. Yeah. All right. Um, we have a, a right in question here from Samuel. Do you think there is a universal root in most couples' conflicts? If so, what do you think it is? Selfishness, um, disconnection, really. Mm -hmm. I think that's the Kylo, Kylo message. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but the Kylo Five. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that um, usually the the root of disconnection, though, is that we. We don't know that we're disconnected. We don't know how to stay connected. And we don't know that we were disconnected before we went on to try to do mm -hmm. this next hard thing. So okay. we have these really fragile connections, mm -hmm. and we try to put more on them than the weight of the conversation will hold. So it's like a little bit like building a a, a bridge across uh, San Francisco Bay out of toilet paper. You're like, well, you're not going to be not, you know, <laughs> not I don't know how it. much toilet paper you got, <laughs> but you know, you're not going to be able to uh, put much weight on this. Mm -hmm. Like, right. And so it, it becomes kind of a useless bridge. Yeah. And if people will uh, go to work on that connection and, and, and make it substantial, then they can put quite a bit of hard conversation on mm -hmm. something that they've invested in. So a lot of people aren't making the investment in the connection, and then they try to drive a big old cement truck across there and it falls into the ocean, and they're like, it's no use. It's just no use having this conversation with you. Mm -hmm. Like, well, we've not yet built a connection that can successfully maneuver through these, these challenges. Yeah. So I, I don't know that there's an impossible conversation or there's an impossible scenario as much as there are uh, connections that just can't handle it. Yeah, and it's very vulnerable when you're in the middle of a conflict and you, you're not, I mean, we used to call it managing our connection. You know, at first it was just like barely hanging on 
or completely disconnected. So there's all these different times that you, you know, what level your connection is, is what level you can handle, how deep you can go. But when you start to say, you know, what do you need, that vulnerability, talking about what's going on inside of you, it's it's hard at first. And it takes practice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's like what, learning how to drive or something, or you're just thinking about every move you're making. And, and once you get going and have experience, you don't even think about driving anymore. And we get good at what we practice, right? Mm-hmm. So if we practice disconnection, we yeah. get good at We're it. We're good at this. We get yeah. really good at it, you know? And and it's just our go-to. It's just what we... Uh, self-preservation is so natural to us that... If we're not paying attention to violating that, stepping into that vulnerability and building a new set of habits over here in vulnerability where we don't control the other person, we don't control the outcome, we might have to adjust, we might have to deal with Mm -hmm. feeling insecure or taken advantage of or whatever. We might have to deal with all these things that we tend to protect ourselves from uh, but we get better and better and better and better at mm-hmm. that. Then, long term, we can put heavy doses of truth on our connection, and yeah. and information, good information, will flow back and forth. Yeah, and people feel really stuck sometimes, mm-hmm. and they're looking at the the big. You know, if you're at the bottom of a gigantic stairway, and you're like, oh my gosh. I'm, this is going to be so hard or I can't do it. Like just, there's just one step, take one step. I've already climbed so far. Yeah. (laughs) It's just like, don't look at, you know, you don't have to look all the way down the road, but you can look at the next thing you need to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I would probably credit trust with, um, the, the success of a, of a connection and the lack of trust with, uh, the culprit, if you were, in couples challenges. So when I stop telling the truth because our our relationship can't handle it, I stop trusting you. Mm-hmm. And I blame you for not being honest. I blame you for not letting you see me. I, I blame you for pushing you away because I stopped telling you the truth because of how you acted, because of uh, what I had to live through after I told you the truth. And so I think as much as you possibly can, you want to make a dedication and commitment to truthing each other, telling the truth, exchanging truth. Mm -hmm. And And the truth isn't what I think about you as much as the truth is how I'm experiencing you. Right. So if a, if a chef comes out of the, the kitchen and says, how's your steak? Yeah. You know, I don't say, well, <laughs> you don't know how to cook. This, was, this steak was tough and you put too much salt on it and you didn't let it marinate long enough. Because if, if that's how you describe to the chef how you experience the, the steak, it's not true. This is your judgment of the chef. Right. So he's now going to get defensive, and then he's going to fire off something about what terrible taste you have. 
But if you say, um, it was, it was chewier than I thought it was going to be, and it was it was too salty for me, and I like this my my fillet uh, m- more tender than this one came mm-hmm. out. Then he is most likely going to scoop that steak up <laughs> off your table and bring you one that he thinks will be more tender, less salty, and more to your liking. Mm -hmm. Because you've just given him really great information about how to adjust and ding the bell. But that's because I let you into my experience Mm -hmm. instead of triggered you with judgment. Yeah. It's, It's hard and awkward at first, but... You can you can do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it feels a little mechanical because yeah. we have so much practice over here mm-hmm. protecting ourselves yeah. instead of stepping over into the light <laughs> and feeling vulnerable. Yep. All right, we have one more potential question coming our way, mm-hmm. and this one is from Mark. Yeah. Hello, Danny and Brittany. My name is Mark. And I've been married to my wife for 17 and a half years. We have two children, ages 11 and 9. Uh, This past April, uh, my wife came to me with her brother and her father and told me that she felt like God was telling her that it was time for a divorce. And so she's moving through that process right now. Um, I've made a lot of mistakes in the past 17 years. Uh, Both of us have, obviously, but... Um, I've never cheated on my wife physically, you know, I've never kissed anyone or anything like that. Um, I'm just struggling with how to approach this from a biblical perspective because I don't understand how or why God would tell someone to divorce when that doesn't seem to be what's written in his word in our circumstance, at least. Uh, I would appreciate your input. Thank you very much. Well, this is a a lion's den waiting for us to answer this question. (laughs) Yeah, Um, so much going on there. Yeah, well, uh, Mark, no doubt you're not having any fun with this. Um, I, I don't know what to say specifically because I don't really know the circumstances of your of your situation. Um, but, but I, I can, you know, I, I, I can understand that it feels confusing when someone says until death do us part before God. And then, uh, it looks like they gave up on it. It looks like they're, they're, they're checking out. Um, I think that you, I'm just going to use a, a, a term that you used to use, in situations, various situations, not a divorce, but you would say, I have become sufficiently wounded. Yeah. <laughs> I am sufficiently wounded at this point. And I think it, you know, it sounds like your wife is sufficiently wounded, Mark, and mm-hmm. um, enough to throw the dice at have I offended God or not? You know, and I'm sure she got some counsel and she had to figure, sort through all that because she's uh, 
she sounds like a good lady and you sound like good people and you're really struggling with uh, some ongoing things. But I would say that your wife is sufficiently wounded and um, she's saying, I don't have to live like this. And she's right, Mark. That's the hard news for you is she's absolutely right. She doesn't have to live like this. She has choices. Mm -hmm. uh, she's not trapped in a, a cycle of pain. She really isn't. And mm -hmm. I doubt that this came quickly or easily for her. Yeah. Probably over time and lots of hurts and pains in probably on both sides. I, I think in situations like this, if both parties are willing, they they need some professional help. You know, if you, um, you know, I would tell anyone that, you know, even when we do inner healing work, we it's not even a one, it's never a one-time thing. It's we have to keep working on something. So I would... I mean, if your wife's willing, yeah, maybe if she isn't, but you could go yourself, I would get some professional help and, and really addressing. Because there's a trust issues here. You hinted at, at I, you said, I never kissed anyone else, which leaves it, the door open to wonder, what did you do? Mm -hmm. um, you know, did you talk to your old girlfriends on Facebook? I, it doesn't, whatever that is, that thing that's, that isn't, you know, part of the question because of time, she probably doesn't trust you. So you need a mediator. You need a professional. You need a guide out of where you are. And so there's no shame in that. It sounds like she rallied support with her family, which means that she's probably been talking to them about it for a long time. Um, so there's all kinds of stuff laying in there. But there's, uh, you know. Sufficiently wounded. Probably on both sides. Yeah, yeah. Both have been wounding each other for a long time mm -hmm. and unable to get out of there. So she's done and she's exiting. But yeah. And, and if I hope it's not a divorce situation, but if there is, I would still get some help so that we don't repeat problems. Mm -hmm. And how do you not bring those sufficient wounded people into co-parenting, co for goodness sakes, you know? Um, or not, you know, get some help. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, this is this is not an uncommon conversation in the day and age that we live in, yeah. and it, it has. I mean, I I am a uh, married for a lifetime guy. You know, I'm I'm not flippant in in any way, shape, or form about marriage and and vows and covenant, and. The exterior pressure and controls around people staying married are gone. There are no external controls. Yeah. Society will cheer you on mm -hmm. in a divorce, not punish you yeah. for a divorce. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a day where divorce was, you know, the scarlet letter. It, it isn't any longer. Therefore, what it does is it reveals what we will do if we are free. Mm -hmm. If I were free from the threat of punishment, how would I conduct my life? And I remember I was on an airplane one time and I, I pulled a magazine out of the back of the seat there and sort of some random 
magazine. I don't I don't even think it was a you know like a GQ or a you know a anything <laughs> like that. I don't think it was. I think it was just a you know airline thing. But it it's had this weird poll and it 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 said men if you knew there was no possible way that your wife would ever find out about an adulterous affair, would you do it? And it was something like 75% said yes. If there was no punishment, there were no consequences, if I were totally free, I would do it. Like, okay, well, the shoe's on the other foot now. Ladies, if there were a way out of a loveless relationship, would you take it? And most of the divorces today are filed by women, like a pretty high percentage. I forget what it is, but it's pretty high. And it's because there are no external controls Mm -hmm. forcing them to live in a, a situation that is sufficiently wounding. Yeah, and and you add being Christians in there, and then the counsel you can get sometimes. If I was a hurting wife and I went to a pastor and said, these are the things I'm enduring at home, he would give you a... Suck it up, buttercup. Yeah, that's the message you would get sometimes. So mm-hmm. it for a Christian woman to just endure pain for all these years and then finally just blow a gasket, you know, just super sad that they can't get help sooner, you know. Um, Yeah. So this, you know, this would be why you have to have a healthy community, why you have to be a healthy woman, Mm -hmm. a healthy man, uh, you know, whole healthy families, but are, are comprised of, of whole healthy individuals. Yeah. And that is really what it takes to fight back in a world where your your freedoms will be exposed. You will be able to do whatever's in your heart to do. So what's in your heart to do? Yeah. Manage that. Cultivate that. You know, hold it into the light. Let your friends see it. Yeah. Let them rebuke you. Let them encourage <laughs> you. Let them counsel you, yeah. you know, whatever, but you've got to walk in the light together with other people yeah. so that we benefit from what what the body around us has and we're not just limited to our own hopeless, hurting Paris. corner of the yeah. room. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, get out there and... Uh, Walk around in the light. Run around in the light naked, I like to say. (laughs) Run around and let people see you because it's really the only way to uh, create a response to the temptations and the the dissolving of what otherwise would be family legacy. So I'm. Thanks for jumping on here today, honey. Of course, it's fun. Good to have you. (laughs) All right, and we'll see the rest of you on the next time we gather. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Never miss an episode of The Kylo Show by subscribing to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or watch us on the Loving on Purpose YouTube channel. 
Don't forget to submit your questions and testimonies to thekyloshow.com. The Kylo Show is produced by Ali Armading, co-produced by Ashley Beck and Anna Hill, sound engineer and edited by Taylor Silk, and show promoter Christian Zamora. Don't forget, whole healthy families, gonna save the world.